0: If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. So
1: we are back in Luke. Again, a beautiful narrative, just looking at the detailed Luke's detailed account of the identity, life, and ministry of Jesus. And what I'm going to say to you today is that this text is going to show us that Jesus is worth waiting on. He is worth waiting on. We are going to look at verses 26 to 39 and the title of the message is The battle is real and Jesus will win. I'm going to run it back for you just one more time. The battle is real and Jesus will win. Because if Jesus wins, we win. Those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And there is a battle going on in the world, a spiritual battle. First John three says, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. Our passage is gonna show us that the devil is here and at work, him and demonic forces. But Jesus, in this text, shows us how he is working to destroy that work, why he has actually come. Verse 26 says, then they sail to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. Now, Luke tells us this because he wants us to, to know that that Jesus is now ministering in a primarily Gentile region. And so what you see here is Jesus is actually fulfilling an Old Testament promise that he, has come to, he is coming to help Jews and Gentiles, that he has come for all people. And so he's in the region and says, and when they get out on land, uh, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. Now, this idea here of demonic forces and demons, our culture, doesn't actually take it all that serious. Daryl Bach says, our world plays with spiritual forces rather than taking them seriously. Texts about demons are difficult for modern people because they ask us to deal in categories that don't involve seeing and hearing. But when we see, this is so important, you just got to think about the world you're living in right now. When we see the horrific and destructive character of culture and how terrible we can treat each other, think about the way you see people treating one another. The terrible ways, some of the terrible things, laws that are being passed, the way some people are really abusing their power, bosses, politicians, stepping out of their lane, the destructive nature of culture. It's not hard to recognize the presence of diabolical evil in the world. It takes more than our own effort to reverse its presence. Here's what he says, the power of Jesus is needed. And this text makes that clear, that we face demonic forces that are just too strong for us, but the power of Jesus is here and available and working already on our behalf. I want this word today to encourage your soul for the realities that are there. In this text, we're gonna see the authority and the power of Jesus. Here's today, here's the thing I want you to take away today. Jesus uses his authority to rescue and restore. He uses it for good. We live in a culture where it's it's very clear human beings, some human beings abuse authority. They take the power that has just been entrusted to them and they use it to push people around. They use it to manipulate. But this text shows us that authority can be used for good. You're going to see that in what Jesus does. So verse 27 says, when they get out on land, a demon-possessed man uh, from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in the house, but it was in Tombs. now Luke says that there's they, they get out of the boat and there's a demon-possessed man now I want you to think about the disciples right now remember last week right they're in the boat right they're like get us off the boat get us off the boat we got to get off this boat Jesus wake up wake up they get out on land and then there's a demon-possessed man they're probably like back in the boat back in the boat back in the boat as quick as possible they're afraid but or might be afraid but Jesus, is not, and this man, his situation is sad, right? We need, to, we want to make sure we read the Bible as human beings. He is naked. He is homeless. He's isolated. Later, you're going to see that he's locked up. That you read the other gospel account of this, it, he, it, he is feared. It says he's fierce, and so he's in a rough spot. But it's because of what the demons are doing to him. Verse 28 says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? This is the demon inside the man speaking. For he had commanded, Jesus did, the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, there you see he's locked up, that this, this man is, is in a desperate situation. He would snap the restraints, he's so strong, and be driven by the demon into the de- de- deserted places. I want you to notice that the, the text says that the demons fell down in front of Jesus. And you're going to notice a word, again, good way to read our Bibles is to look for repeated words. You're gonna notice the word beg multiple times in the text. It says that they beg Jesus not to torment them. What, what's the, what's the, the text telling us? That they know who's in charge. They recognize his authority. They, they call him the son of the most high God. They're in, they recognize they're in front of the real one. They know they're the power resides. Verse 30 says, Jesus said, what is your name? Jesus asked him. He said, legion. He said, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him. There's that word again. Begged him. Not to banish them into the abyss. They're begging him not to be destroyed. They're begging him not to send them where ultimately the Bible tells us they're going to go. They beg. That phrase there the word legion actually uh, refers to a military company and in that time a legion was a was a company of 6000 soldiers and what luke is trying to show us is that multiple demons has invaded this man and luke is trying to paint us a picture the bible's trying to paint us a picture that jesus is 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 sort of um, outnumbered, but he's not overmatched. It didn't touch you the way it should have. Let me say it again Jesus is outnumbered, but the brother, our brother, is not overmatched. This would be like Pastor Yogi and Phil fighting Connor McGregor. There's two of them. Well, you're a boy Connor he's not over I love you guys both of you but you're gonna lose not overmatched and it's meant to encourage us I want to keep going first verse, verse 32 says a large herd of herd of pigs were feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him there it is again. see it? Begged, just keep marking it every time you see it because it reminds you of who has the power in the text. Begged him to permit them to enter the pigs and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and, 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 and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. I want you to understand that what's going on right now in the text is not a battle. This is called bargaining. They beg him, Tony Evans said whatever power they, this is speaking of demons, possess over human beings, Satan's minions must bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. They have to bow. There's absolutely no power and what Jesus is doing for us right now is that he's showing us the power that he has over demonic forces. Showing us that the power resides in Him, and what you have here is they're they're doing every anything, any and everything they can to survive, begging, pleading, bargaining, but their bargaining—do you notice it? Backfires. It backfires. Verse 33 says the herd rushed into the lake and drowned. The pigs. They do, sorry, the, the demons do to the pigs what they wanted to do to this man. See, Jesus comes to minister to this, this, this man who we don't know, who I believe we're going we're to we're see him in glory. And we, got, we can get to ask him all kinds of questions. But he comes to minister to this man because he cares. Because his suffering matters to him. We sung in the song a, a minute ago that God cares about you. You you need to hold on to that, that reality. That is true. When Jesus says, let's go across to the other side, he knows where he's going. He knows there's going to be the storm. But he also knows that there's this hurting man on the other side that needs help. And he's like, brothers, we're going to help him. Because he cares. So he helps the man. They they do to the pigs what they wanted to do to the man, but then they, they die in the process. People in our culture appreciate movie trailers, right? Don't you notice that? I mean, and the people who are producing movie trailers know if I'm gonna ask you to give up two hours, sometimes three hours of your life, I should show you at least what to expect, right? They appeal to to us that way. I'm giving you that illustration because I want you to know that this scene is like a movie trailer. It's showing us what is to come. It is a preview of what is to come. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, "The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets are, and they will be what? Tormented day and night for ever. Satan and his demons try to deceive and destroy, but what the Bible tells you is that they are going to be destroyed in the end. And it says, wait on that. Trust that, that that is a reality, that, that is what is coming. Luke gives us a preview. Last week, the Bible showed us that Jesus had authority over the storm. This week it's showing us that he has authority over the demonic. Next week, Lord willing, if we get there, it's going to show that he has authority over disease and death. What Luke is trying to do, again, as we're going through this book, I'm trying to make sure that we remember the key theme. Luke is trying to show you that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord of creation. And as Lord of creation, he looks at all the brokenness and he doesn't step back from it, he actually steps right into it because he says, I am here and I'm coming to restore and to rescue. I'm coming to make things right. And when he comes, remember 1 John, the Son of God appeared to destroy the work of the devil. He sees the brokenness, but Jesus doesn't stand outside of it. He steps into it and gives us a picture of what is to come. The process of restoration has started. And in the strange, frustrating, confusing days that we live in, you need to like write that somewhere and put that in front of you and review that that the process of restoration started the day Jesus showed up, and it is going on now. Even in these moments, and we. that should give us hope, that should help us hold on. Verse 34 says, when the men, who tended them, saw what happened, they ran off. So there's people, there's people there who are tending the pigs and they see what's going on, and, it, and Luke says, they run off and reported in the town, in the countryside, uh, to the people in the town, in the countryside, it Said verse 35 says, then people went out to see what happened. They came to Jesus and found a demon, the, the demons had departed the, sorry, the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Verse 37, then all the people of the Gerasene region asked him to leave them, because they were gripped by great fear, So getting into the boat, he returned. So they get a report, they come check it out, and then they do something that's actually strange. They say to Jesus, leave. Now, Luke doesn't give you the the reason why they do this, but Mark does. Mark 5, 16 says, those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man, notice, and told about the pigs. They asked Jesus to leave because when the pigs died, their income took a hit. They this was pig farming. And so they sold. So what you got. Jesus is messing with their money. They're like, that brother is messing with my checks. Their bottom line takes a hit. And so they're like, we're not interested in losing any more dollars. These guys, he needs, this brother needs to leave. They're like, get out of here. And there's a principle here for us in this. What it shows you is the way human beings can care more sometimes about money than people. That money is more... No, they don't actually consider that there's other people in the town that Jesus could help. They're just, they don't care. They're like, we don't, as long as my money is right, I don't care who gets hurt. They show us that sometimes we can care more about money than... People, You ever wonder why there's human trafficking and those those kinds of things going on in our world? Why the porn industry is sort of so lucrative and big? Because sometimes we care more about money than people. You ever wonder why there's cash advance places in some of the most poor and hurting neighborhoods in our city? Why? Because some people care more about money than people. You ever wonder why some people sell drugs in your neighborhood? Because they care more about money than people. You ever wonder why sometimes big companies go settle down into poor countries and exploit those people? Why? Money is more important than people. This is the selfishness that is evident in the human race that Jesus comes to rescue and restore us from. You wonder why sometimes the world is as dark as it is. That is one of the clearest reasons why. We value things over people. And so we exploit people to get things. And it's evil and it's wrong. But Jesus shows here that he has come. He does not, he's not worried about their money thing. He said, this man, this person is more important than your bottom line. He is suffering, chained. Chained. And you need to look over and see a human being. You need to be in a place of compassion and concern. And if your bottom line takes a hit, so be it. And that's a good word for us. We need to be people who care more about people than we care about things. I lost my spot. I'm going to find it. Verse 35 says that when... They came, they found a man sitting and dressed in his right mind. Just meditate on that for a minute. Sitting, dressed, remember, naked, out of his mind. Sitting, dressed, composure is back. Right mind, thinking straight. What you have here is a picture of salvation. Jesus restores his dignity. Jesus frees him from bondage. When the text says, and you're going to see this later when we, Lord willing, again, get to the Mary and Martha story, the sitting at his feet is an act of discipleship. What you see here is a brother who is ready to learn. It's a brother who is ready to follow. It's an act of Discipleship, And what you see here is that you, Jesus uses his authority to transform lives. Satan tries to destroy. Jesus comes to restore and heal. He uses his authority to transform lives. The man is thinking straight. And this is, when we come to Christ, this is what happens to us. We begin to think straight. We, we think the right way about Jesus. We realize that we need him. We think the right ways about demons and demonic forces in the world. We don't play with it. We don't take it as a joke the way our culture does. We see it as something real and dangerous, yet on, they're on a leash, that they're under the full control of God. Also helps us to think about the right uh, help us think the right way about the world. That the world is being restored. Demons tried to destroy this man. Jesus, though, rescues and restores him. Watch his life. Look at verse 38. It says, The man from, the, from whom the demon departed begged him. There's that word again begged him. He understands the authority of Jesus. He begs him earnestly to be with him. He's like, I want to be with you, Jesus. Don't you feel that? I I mean, every day I'm like, man, I watch the news. I'm like, man, I want to be with Jesus. Today is the come now, right? Come, Lord Jesus, like they used to say. Come now. He wants to be with Jesus. But he sent him away and said, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went, proclaiming throughout the town, what? How much Jesus had done for him. Jesus sends him home. He says, no, 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 some people get to go with me, but brother, you go home, go home and declare, go tell the people closest to you, go tell the people who love you, who know you, what has happened, the level of transformation I have brought in your life, and the man obeys. But you gotta notice something, again, it's really crucial. It says, Jesus says, go home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. But do you notice what the man does? says, and he went off proclaiming how much Jesus had done for him. If you got a pencil, you should circle Jesus, and in the other verse, circle the word God and just draw a line. Because what the guy is doing is he's showing you that he understands Jesus is God. Remember, key theme in Luke. Jesus, he sees no difference between G- Jesus is God. He declares that. But I also want you to notice something. I want you to notice how simple evangelism is. You notice it? He doesn't like memorize all these fancy arguments. He doesn't have like this pre-planned script that some some, uh, people give out like you gotta go step by step, set them up and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. He just goes and says, here is what God has done for me. There's no, there's no memorization of some fancy argument. There's no plea plan. There is no fear of man. There is just a declaration, no fear of people. Here is what God has done for me. He just simply obeys and starts talking. You know, we love Paul, right, in church world. Paul, Paul, and don't get me wrong, he, he did some, I mean he did some serious things. I'm not trying to disrespect him. I don't want to get up there and him and I have some beef. But Paul is not the first missionary to the Gentiles. Do you know that? This guy is. He goes home and declares all that God has done for him. And this text, what it tells us is. Tell, our, tell your story. Don't hold it back. Share, tell your story. Because when we show, when we tell our story, it shows the unique and creative ways that God saves people. And you might be sitting there and you're like, oh, but Marv, my story's not all blown up, right? Like sometimes we hear people giving their testimony and they're like, they're like their life was crazy, I was doing all this, I was like down in the dumps and then God lifted me up. And the people who are like, you know, I grew up with Christian parents and I came to Christ and they feel a little bit like smaller. No. Every story is Powerful because every story speaks of the reality that at one time you were blind and God in his grace opened your eyes and began a powerful work of transformation in your life. Every single story is powerful. Every single story deserves to be told and when we tell it, we show how creative and powerful God is and the people who are hearing it realize how much Jesus can change them. So you don't hold it back. You talk freely in whatever way your personality is. Not everybody is like, you know, some people are different. Introvert, extrovert, all that kind of stuff, but figure out your way and just simply share. That's what this guy challenges us to do with the people around us. Evangelism starts at home. Evangelism starts with the people closest to you who don't know the Lord. Just start talking about Jesus and what he has done in your life. Sharing our story simply is a powerful way to evangelize. This text, what it does, Lori. you can come now if you want. I'm starting to sweat, so I better wrap it up. What this does is it tells us, it reminds us that spiritual warfare is real. I have said a lot, but the primary thing Luke is trying to get across, spiritual warfare is real. Real. There is a war going on outside. There is a battle happening. Ephesians 6 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power of this darkness, against evil. Evil is real. Spiritual forces in the heavens. There is a battle going on. What this p- passage shows us on this side of this story is exactly why we needed Jesus to come. Remember what we started with. That there is, there is a demonic, destructive activity happening in the world and that the power of Jesus is needed. It shows us that we are overmatched, that the battle is real. We are overmatched but Jesus is not. And that he he needed to come and he has come. And I want to say to us. I think I said this last week. I'll say it again because I think this is this is what the Lord is trying to sh- to show. If you read your Bible clearly, the battle will intensify. And one of the reasons why I think Christians need to work hard at getting closer to one another and deepening their relationships is because of that. Just read Matthew, go home today and read Matthew 24. And then read all of Revelation. You will be a little bit confused. But what you're going to see is that the battle will intensify. That things will get more difficult. I don't want to lie to you as one of your shepherds. It's not all going to be roses. It's not all going to be gravy, but it will get tougher. But here's what to hold on to. Here's why I said at the beginning, it's worth waiting on Jesus. Because what you will see if you read Revelation is that Jesus will come and Jesus will win. He has come once. He will come again. The way he didn't leave them alone in the boat, he will not leave us alone in the battle. Hold on to that reality. Jesus will come again. Jesus will win. And because he wins, we win. He will come. He will use his authority to rescue and restore all things. He is going to finish the job. I told you, the story is a movie trailer. It is a picture of what is to come. This story, this little trailer that we get, what it does is that it helps us better understand the world. Helps us to better understand what is going on around us. This story should fill you and give you hope for the future. This story should take you to a place of worship. You realize that? When you see the power and authority of Jesus, when you see the compassion of Jesus, when you see that Jesus sees somebody struggling and he doesn't avoid the area, he goes right to it. It tells you what is to come for us. Yes, there's struggle, but Jesus will come. He will make things right. The job will get done. And it should take us to a place of worship. He uses his authority to rescue and restore. And what we should say is, unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. I'm going to say it again because I want you to say amen. Unto Jesus be all glory. Let's try it again. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. He will come to rescue and restore. I don't know about you, but you know what I'm saying? I will wait for you. I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. Father, we thank you for the word. Thank you that you never leave us without a word. You're so good that way. Again, Lord, I don't know what is going on with everybody. I don't know what every soul needs, but I pray, oh God, that this would have been a source of encouragement. I think, I pray that it would be a source of clarification. Just understanding why the world is as broken as as it is why things are as tough as they are at different times Lord we uh, we do not war against flesh and blood but in the war we are not alone in the battle we are not alone you are here, you are with us you empower us by your spirit to endure to hold on, you empower us by your spirit to listen Lord as we sit under the scriptures and to be able to walk in obedience to walk uh, in hope, help us to do that Lord God And I pray, Father, just for a special sense of endurance, a special sense of trust and patience, Lord God, in our church family. Lord, we trust you. We believe in you. We know you're good. We know that you are working, even though we can't always see it. Help us to endure. Help us to trust. Help us to rely on the authority of Jesus Christ and to give him the praise that he is due, no matter what comes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you join us in standing one more time? Thank you, Lord.
2: Thrown unto his own, his enthronement. So exalt, so exalt, lift up on. died. Yes, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. I
0: love you, Lord, and I sing it out with me sing it again oh i love you lord and i live Resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.